New to the living healthy lifestyle or a healthy living veteran, this is your place for honest answers. Naturally Savvy with registered holistic nutritionist Andrea Donsky and health journalist Lisa Davis. This is Lisa Davis with Andrea Donsky. Uh, the other day I was doing a radio tour. I do a lot of radio tours on, well, it sounds like I do them. I get a lot of radio tours on my regional NPR show, It's Your Health. And whenever there's somebody that, I, you know, they give me like eight minutes to talk to them because the poor person has to like talk to radio stations, you know, like half the day or something. Mm-hmm. If there's somebody that I'm intrigued with, I always say, you know, as soon as they're like, okay, bye. I'm like, wait, wait, I want to talk to you more. So uh, this happened the other day and this happened with a wonderful gal named Rachel Beller. And Rachel is fabulous. She founded the Beller Nutritional Institute in LA. She does customized advice on weight loss and cancer prevention. And today we're going to be talking with her about nutrition and breast health. Rachel, welcome to Naturally Savvy. Oh, thanks for having me. It's great to have you on. All right. So let's jump right into this because I've heard that there's a connection between weight and breast cancer. And then sometimes I hear that there is, and it's very confusing. So let's, let's set the record straight. What, what is the connection between weight and breast cancer? Yes. I mean, the first thing I want to say is the evidence is extremely clear that excess weight increases the risk of cancer. Uh, in fact, 13 different types of cancer, breast cancer is one of them. And I I would give it a 99% plus certainty. I mean, we, we definitely have enough evidence to support, um, the link between weight and cancer. Um, and and may, many people don't think about it. They don't think about the fact that excess weight uh, is a cause of cancer. And, and probably, according to Walter Willett, who is the uh, a oh, genius in the field of nutrition, professor of epidemiology, epidemiology awesome. at uh, Harvard School of Public Health, you know, he's saying probably the second most important cause after smoking. So it's really a wake-up call for us all Americans to to think about our weight and 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 think about being proactive to getting to a fit weight um, to prevent cancer, to help prevent. Now, when you say excess weight, what what is that defined as? Um, you know, being more than your ideal body weight, we're not looking at getting skinny, skinny. It's it's carrying excess of, you know, anywhere between 15, 20 pounds, um, getting into that mid-range uh, of the body mass index. And and also it's, it has to do with your body fat um, mass as well. So some people are more muscular. So it's not really all a numbers game, but pretty much um, getting into that overweight zone. Hmm. That's very interesting. And at least I was going to ask the same question. So thanks for answering. We're asking that. <laughs> no, because I think it's important for to clarify for people who are listening, oh, right? They're like, oh my God, I gained five pounds because, you know, holidays. Like, no, and, that's, yeah, we're talking yeah. about people who are. No, having, no. Yeah, no, we're looking over, you know, gaining weight over time. And you want to keep a good, healthy body weight, especially to prevent breast cancer. Um Starting at a at a you know at a young age, you really really want to be thinking about this. And you know, I don't know if if you're aware, I work with a lot of women who are post breast cancer treatment, and um, they gain weight about ten percent of their body weight um, during the course of their treatment during chemo. And oh. it's it's something that people don't think about because we always have these visions of oh you know chemotherapy, unintentional weight loss. And and that does happen to some, but a majority of women actually gain weight as a result of their treatment. And once they're done, the oncologist, you know, says one of the things you really need to do to be proactive to reduce 
your risk of recurrence is to um, lose weight or get to an ideal body weight. So that's something that's very, very important, and uh, a lot of women don't realize that that could happen or there's significance of reducing one's risk of a recurrence of breast cancer, um, you know, having to do with their weight. So, so that's something that I'm very passionate about in helping women uh, who are genetically at a high risk for getting breast cancer, have a, been touched by it, the uh, family member, or women who are post-treatment who now are at the driver's seat uh, when it comes to their health, they're done with all their appointments and treatments, and really need to take a proactive stance for uh, prevention. Really important. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, I was thinking about that. And it is interesting what you said about the chemotherapy, because I think most people think you're just, you know, losing weight because you're nauseous, you don't have your appetite, you know, and things like that. So to help them afterwards is really a really big deal. And it's tough because when you have cancer, you're going through so much and there's fear and there's all these different things going on. So I can see people turning to food, right, if they don't have that nausea. And Andrew, you wanted to say something? Correct. You know, I'm I'm curious you know, in terms of Rachel, in terms of the foods that people should be eating for breast health, you know, I've heard that flax seeds are really good. And there's been research around flax seeds in reducing breast health. What are some of the other foods that we should be eating on a regular basis for prevention? So I, I created um, a program called Power Perks. And Power Perks is an online program that's accessible to all women um, in helping them manage their weight and uh, with breast cancer prevention modalities. Um, so there are, there are like Rachel's 10 commandments within there and, and there's a blueprint. One of the commandments, oh, cool. which is very, very important is thou shall fiber up. It is, yeah, it. there is so much evidence on the role of fiber when it comes to optimizing breast health. Um, so collectively the recommendation is for breast health is, uh, 30 to 35 grams of fiber per Day. Per day. And yeah. I know it sounds like something that, I mean, everyone knows that fiber is good for them. They're like, oh, yeah, I eat a salad once or twice a day. You really have to look at the fact that it would take about nine huge salads to get to 35 grams of fiber per day. Oh, yeah. So oh, what yeah, I, exactly. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. So one of the things that I uh, recommend to my patients is to have a game plan with fiber. You know, start your AM, your breakfast should have at least, at least 8 to 10 grams of fiber, because if you start on that high note, you're more likely to achieve your goal. So that, that's really important. A bowl of oatmeal gives you only four. So you really have to think about what am I adding to it? How do I get that 10? And how do I establish this, um, this goal? Everyone's obsessed with protein. 97% of Americans are getting more than enough. 3% are meeting their fiber goals. So, so that's oh, a wow. key, different. you know, there are different pillars, different commandments and fiber is, is, um, is a, the beginning part of my education with, with women, um, who've had, or, you know, are thinking about breast cancer prevention. Um, and well, I, how I do we have that fiber in the morning? Something. Yeah. I mean, because when it? you mentioned so that. There are yeah. I mean, multiple yeah, like in the morning it, you example, mentioned. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to have that bowl of steel cut oatmeal, um, add a tablespoon of uh, flaxseed in there, bam, you've got another five right there. A uh, handful of berries, another two to three years there. It's actually that simple. It's just thinking about it and prioritizing fiber 
and not obsessing over the protein. The protein's there, by the way, with what I just mentioned. You could also, um, uh, you know, we're getting into into the sweet potato season. You know, bake. Oh, I usually bake three or four in the toaster oven. I just have them there, you know, and then I take one out in the morning, split it open with my with my hands, and um, and then uh, or a knife down the middle, and then add some chia seeds in there as well. I power it up with spices, which I'll talk about as well, Ceylon cinnamon, and um, you're good to go. You could put a little nut butter. So really these simple natural foods that are so inexpensive and you can fiberize it um, in that way. Some people add psyllium, flaxseed. You really want to boost that AM routine to get to about um, 10 grams. A smoothie, really, really easy. Oh, definitely. Really easy. Um, yeah, so um, lots of examples, and we share a lot of those, but um, it's really something that we, we need to shift our obsession, I believe, to um, making sure that we're, we're getting that because um, if you're getting two, three grams in the morning and then you're trying to catch up with another 30, good luck. <laughs> what about meat? You know, I'm curious about, you know, meat in general, you know, in terms of, you know, there's so many diets out there, you know, some of the biggest health experts are you need to be plant-based and then you have others that are like, no, you need to be paleo-based and others that are, you know, keto-based. And it's like, uh-huh. there's so many things. And obviously I'm a big believer that there is no one diet fits all. If your genetics are telling you, you can't digest starch, you should be on a paleo or keto diet, or if you can, you know, you can digest fats properly. So I'm a big believer of kind of digging into our DNA to find out what works for us. But in terms of meats themselves, now I know coming from the industry that we're in, you know, you want to avoid meats that have antibiotics or growth hormones added to it, right? So you want to try and eat grass fed. You want to try to eat as clean as possible. But what does the research say, you know, about meat? Assuming, let's assume we're eating the healthier meat. You know, what is its connection to breast cancer if there is one? Sure. Yeah, I mean, so I, I also am a firm believe, believer that there isn't a one-size-fits-all. Having said that, I do specialize in breast cancer and nutrition, so I really dig into the research specific for women's health and, and particularly breast cancer prevention. So when you look at the data and when you're looking at um, proteins, like, you know, it's, it's I, I always say go for the proteins with the most perks um, for breast health. So we look at all that. and meat does not stack up high on the list, be it grass-fed or not, because the animal, naturally, it has hormones. And what we're trying to do is decrease the intake of hormones. You know, I don't know if you've heard about the fear about soy, for example, like, oh, don't eat soy. Mm-hmm. That, that's not good for breast cancer. Years it's being told and touted in the communities. You know, and women are coming into my office saying, I won't touch organic um, sprouted tofu or edamame even, um, but I'll, I'll eat a grass-fed steak. Um, so if you, it, it's really, when you're looking at it, um, one has real hormones, you know, coming from the animal, and one is a plant-based hormone, which is thousands of, you know, times weaker and um, mm-hmm. actually has been shown yeah, to be Phytoestrogens. So, mm-hmm. yeah, phytoestrogens are protective. They, they're, there's, without getting too complex, there are alpha receptors and beta receptors, and they have an affinity to the beta receptors, which actually are protective. Um, and they, 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 uh, that, that's basically, in a nutshell, how that works. It's actually a good thing. So, um, so when it comes to answer your question, I, um, plant, so there's 
primary, and then there's there's the ones that you that are that are considered protective, and the ones that are you should maybe avoid or limit. And the um, vegan protein has showed to have more benefits for breast health, and the animal-based proteins uh, don't. They have protein, but they're not. They have not been shown to be protective. I just want to, you know, and I don't want this topic to be about soy, but I do want to mention one thing. Is again, you brought up a good point. Is that, you know. When it comes to soy, most of the soy is genetically engineered. So I'm a big believer of staying away from GMO, GMO soy. It is not good for us. I, there is okay. no debate there in my mind, right? But, you know, I agree with the yep. organic and, you know, you're, you, if you're choosing a healthier option, everything in moderation. Again, if your body likes it, then that's what's good for you. Now, for, I'll give you an example for me. I'm a B blood type. I can't do soy. It just doesn't do well for me. I was taking a soy-based protein powder. And I was taking yeah. six grams a day and it was fine. I could deal with the six grams. As soon as they switched their formula to 12 grams of the soy protein, I gained 10 pounds in like two weeks because it affected my wow. thyroid. Oh my so you have to be really careful. Now, even though it's the better option, like I think at the end of the day, Rachel, it's moderation. And I think moderation, and again, you know the Absolutely. science better than me. I'm just talking from like my standpoint of like no, food I in agree. general. Yeah. Like it's just about moderation. So, you know, you have, and listening to our bodies, I think that's what we're intuitively, like Lisa and I were just talking this morning. She's like, Oh, I can't eat coconut. I just don't feel good on coconut anymore. So if you're eating something that you just, you don't feel good, tune into your body, then don't eat it or eat something else instead. Right. So I think that's important for us to remember. I totally agree with that. I tell all my patients, Diversification is key. Think of your diet as a, an investment portfolio. You're not putting everything in one place. Just because we're saying that, um, you know, non-GMO organics, uh, edamame may be good for you, that doesn't mean it's a primary focus. Look, your body tolerated it 6 grams, and at 12 it actually went, you know. And so that's that's really – I love that. I mean, really listening to your body – I diversify it between, you know, things like garbanzo beans and tetra packs or black beans and watermelon seeds and sprouted mung beans, you know, and, right, and exactly. <laughs> that you can add and edamame. And, and then you could do like, we have like plant-based uh, protein combos where you do a 50-50 quinoa with lentil. And then of course I have patients from all walks of life with different needs and different body types that uh, want to include um, omega-3 rich fish. So guiding them on which are best for that, which are low in mercury and high in Mm. omega-3s and how do we incorporate some egg and grass-fed meat and organic poultry. So it's really about your own individuality and helping helping people uh, adapt and, and figure out what's best for them. It's not a one size fit all. I love, I love your, your, your philosophy. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Andrea rocks. You know, I want to talk about alcohol and breast cancer. What's the connection there? Because we keep hearing that, oh, a glass a day of wine is good. But lately, I, there was something I read recently, Andrea, I don't know if you saw this, Rachel, that said no alcohol is good. Like any, stay away (laughs) from alcohol. I can't remember where my husband brought that up to me. So tell us about this. In regards to breast health? Yeah. Breast health. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, uh, there was a study, I believe in the British Journal of Cancer, uh, women who drink two to three drinks a day have a 20% higher um, breast cancer risk than non-drinkers. Wow. Um, it's, been, it's been ongoing. The, the research is constantly coming out. Um, 
showing an association between alcohol and breast cancer. The mechanism of action is still somewhat unclear. What is it specifically that's, that's doing it? And, and are different women, uh, dif- different women may have a different um, um, effect, you know, alcohol may have a different effect on them. Uh, so it's not a one-size-fits-all, but really there is enough evidence to suggest limiting um, or avoiding it is specifically if you have a personal history mm. of breast cancer. Okay. And, you know, and you know what's you interesting? Then oh, it's um, one to three a, a week. Okay. Something that I learned as well is that alcohol, certain stimulants like coffee can actually raise estradiol levels in the body, which is an estrogen, right? It's a type of estrogen. And Rachel, mm-hmm, you probably sure. know this better than me, but it raises, raises estradiol levels and estradiol, they say, has been linked to, um, you know, it's hormone imbalance, right? When you have too much estrogen. So that's another reason. Probably, Lisa, when you were reading the study, said that, you know, just again, the moderation thing, but avoiding alcohol. Sure. For, because for some women, depending on their detox pathways, depending on their hormones, may not be excreting it properly and which can lead to elevated estrogen in the body. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, I want to make sure we have time to talk about your power pantry. You've got a spice line. Let's talk about this because I am all about the spices. Oh, nice. So is Andrea. Yeah. <laughs> this, spice it up. I mean, this was really, really cool. I, you know, you work with different women over 15 plus years of practice and, and I'm working in the research setting uh, specifically on different studies um, that um, are associating diet and breast cancer, and you come across things. And in 2013, I came across um, a paper that, it was an article by the American Institute for Cancer Research, Science Now, that talked about the spices of cancer protection. And it was just kept saying, a pinch of prevention, a pinch of prevention. I thought, hey, there could be, there's something there. And I started to look into it. And I'm intrigued because A, it's something that all my patients can do. It's so accessible. They probably already have them in their pantries. So, yeah, I I launched, um, you know, a a line of spices. It's available on Amazon called Rachel Beller's Power Pantry. And we have different combinations that I thought were unique. Um, You know, we all hear about turmeric and black pepper and black pepper enhancing the absorption of the active uh, the mega antioxidant in turmeric, curcumin, and and um, the the active compound, and and I thought, oh, let's go beyond that. You know, people don't just want to eat curry all the time. Let's create some blends that incorporate and offer that spice synergy. So there's um, interestingly, there's been an explosion of research in the last five years on different spices beyond just turmeric. Although turmeric is a is a rock star in the category, about 19, close to 2,000 studies in the last five years, Um, about 1,600 on cayenne, garlic, 1,400, cloves, cinnamon, and I'm obsessed with Ceylon cinnamon. Um, Oh, me too. Lots and lots of research. Um, A lot of laboratory studies, but um, very, very, very promising in regards to cancer prevention, gut health, um, hmm, blood sugar yummy. management, blood anti-inflammatory sugar, yeah. properties. So um, it's it's really cool to see this resurface as it's been used for since ancient times, actually. So the there's something called um, 
you know, where you, you, they've measured the um, antioxidant power of different foods, the ORAC value, and um, spices, ounce per ounce, are coming up very, very high. Uh, so it's kind of fun to take, like, um, I can give you an example, like two cups of uh, mixed vegetables that you're going to roast. So that would have um, an antioxidant value of about 700. And then if you're adding... Um, like um, I have a blend called Vegitude under my power pantry, and it's a combination of turmeric, garlic, onion, black pepper, and parsley. Oh, nice! And so, oh my you, gosh, that yeah, so, so good. if you add, you know, give or take about half a teaspoon um, of, you know, if you want to do it on your own and not get mine, for example, half a teaspoon of turmeric, um, quarter of a teaspoon of garlic, onion. Uh, quarter of a teaspoon of black pepper and some parsley, you can take that value, the antioxidant value from 700 to close to 1200. You're increasing it by 40% just by adding the spice blend. Amazing. That's pretty cool. I got to do that. I roast vegetables every day. I got this, uh, there's organic, it already comes washed, cauliflower, carrots, and broccoli. And I roast it. it every single day with avocado oil. And I just put a little, you know, sea salt um, or Himalayan salt, but I'm definitely want to, I want to get yep. your spices. You know, the time goes by so quickly. I want to ask one last question though. We have just a few minutes. Um, what is this whole thing about sugar feeding cancer cells? I've, I've heard that. And I just am yes. curious your thoughts on that. Yes. Yeah, so that's a fear. You know, I work with a lot of women who are newly diagnosed and it's all like, what do I do? What I don't do. And sugar, you know, they're like, oh, I'm not going to eat a strawberry again because it has um, sugar in it. Um, so, um, in a nutshell, every cell in our body needs sugar to survive and thrive every cell. And if you don't eat anything that has sugar in it, it's just going to knock on other doors and protein and fat and just say, Hey, give me some of your sugar. I need to survive. So the bottom line is it's about avoiding simple sugars, but knowing how to combine your food. Like if you're having a banana with Uh, cashew butter spread on it, and you're adding some cinnamon on it, for example, that combination of sugar, fiber, protein, fat, and the spices that have been also shown to help modulate your blood sugars, that combination, the way you're introducing that all at once into your body is is going to promote a friendly environment. Um, So there's bottom line, since we're short on time, there's there's no way to just eliminate all sugar um, because everything we eat has to some degree some sugar. And um, it's really about how you introduce it and avoiding things like, you know, some people juice and they don't realize that their green juices that they're picking up at the health food store are packed with simple sugars. There's no fiber in there. There's nothing to mm-hmm. help control your blood sugars. So it's really about learning how to introduce sugar into your body and with what and... Um, and that's part of the magic. So not to fear it, but to understand how to how to combine foods and uh, regulate your blood sugars, which is very important for cancer. Oh, definitely. Cancer you know, I, I, I attended a, I guess it was an all-day seminar a couple of years ago, and they had a doctor, I think it was Cedric Garland was his name, and him and his brother out of San Diego oh, yeah. or San Francisco, and they're researchers on vitamin D. 
And they were saying that just optimizing your vitamin D levels can prevent like something like 50% of all cancers. And they were interviewing this woman who was based in somewhere on the East Coast in the U.S. And she was a breast cancer um, doctor. And she was saying that she notices that when people are optimized with their vitamin D levels, they have a much um, higher rate for not for it not coming back, I think, or something like in terms of really uh, mm-hmm. helping it um, prevention. Yeah, recurrence. So I thought that was interesting to note just the vitamin D alone, because so many people are deficient in vitamin D. So taking a good vitamin D supplement is key. And then one more thing, Absolutely. Rachel, again, you could help me. You know, we didn't talk about exercise. I mean, the importance of exercise yeah. and well, making sure that you're moving. <laughs> oh, and yeah, we're gonna have to have you back on because it's there's so much to talk yeah, about. Fabulous. I mean, and, like, boxing and you know <laughs> exercising so let's let's keep that for next time but i'm going to just give a there's a, a company that um that i've heard about called sun regular girl and they have something called um a fiber and it's like this odorless tasteless fiber that you can put in water so if you're trying to get your fiber because it can be hard just getting it all from food sometimes rachel sure. so like to regular your point girl. like I you know like you know it's called regular girl they have five it, grams yeah. of fiber in every in every packet and i actually love the taste it has no taste but it kind of has like a sweet taste like so rachel when you're talking about getting your eight to ten in the morning well there's five right there in your coffee or your tea has no taste and then yeah. you just kind you of like knocked see, off your day with five yeah you have to exactly and you just have to see what kind of fiber because you know you see like protein bars or natural organic bars that have uh, fiber, like 10 grams of fiber, you're like, oh, that's it, good. But it depends. No, 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 yeah. Manufactured exactly. fiber, it's different in that it, it's a good prebiotic. It might yeah, support exactly. gut health unless they added sugar in there, but it's not, it's not the fiber that we're talking about, which is the scrubby brush and sponge mechanism of action that's actually scrubbing your insides and removing potential carcinogens and, and excess hormones like cholesterol and, and other that, that it, it helps remove it. So there's fiber that just kind of like hangs out and does other function. There's fiber that actually scrubs your body clean, and that's the one we're talking about. Yeah, and we need both, right? We need the soluble and the insoluble. So that's the key is making sure you, you need get soluble and soluble. Yes, yeah. exactly. But the manufactured yeah. fibers don't support that. So it's really you got to be choosy about the types of fiber and where they're coming from and are they whole food based. Um, one that does not dissolve that's very uh, useful as well um, is uh, psyllium. Yeah, See, that's so funny. Right. And I'm not, a fan of, I'm not a fan of psyllium at all because it gives me stomach aches. Isn't that interesting? Rachel, we could talk it's forever. So I love this because it's I like, know. We no, but it's great discussion <laughs> because I know, right? It's yes. like, do we have to go? No, but it's great discussion yeah. because, yeah. you know, taking psyllium, you know, for some people, like it gives me stomach aches, right? So making sure you drink enough. So I love, it's a great conversation and we could go on. So Rachel, you have to come yeah, back because I think it's a, when. yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, no, it'll be, be fun. Yes, absolutely. You know, like a good conversation. Right? In the meantime, definitely. How do we find you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can find me um bellernutrition.com, B E L L E R, also at Rachel Beller R D N on all social media handles. And um would love to share my Power Perks program, weight loss and breast cancer prevention, and for sure check out the spices. They're almost running out on Amazon, Rachel Beller's Power Pantry. So um, more to come. 
Awesome. And we're talking about digestive health. So we're going to give a big shout out to our sponsor for this month is BioK. So thank you, BioK. It's a probiotic that helps with gut health because we all need to keep our gut healthy. So you can learn more at BioKplus.com. So thank you, BioK. Thank you, Rachel. I'm Andrea Donsky along with Lisa Davis. This is Naturally Savvy Radio. Like us on all social media at Naturally Savvy, at Andrea Donsky, at Health Media Gal One and at Radio MD. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay well.